If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Psalm chapter 13. Psalm 13, of course, if you're paying attention, that means the next three weeks will be what? Psalm 14, 15, and 16. So you can read ahead, you can be prepared. Uh, Brother Mark will be preaching Psalm 14, but Psalm 13 is one of my favorite psalms. In particular, uh, it contains one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Uh, As I said, I'm new at the senior pastor role, but I have been a worship pastor uh, before this for 15 years. And I love Psalm 13, 6. In fact, it still serves as my email signature for my personal email account. Psalm 13, 6. I memorized it growing up in the NIV 84. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. That is my testimony. I sing because God has been so good to me. And I know that is your testimony as well, if you are a believer. So I'm excited to share this psalm with you today. But what's very amazing about it is that we discover how quickly this psalm will go from the cry of desperation through prayer to the song of praise, a song of faith. I'm calling it from how, O Lord, to how great thou art in six short verses. So let's stand together as we read God's word together from Psalm chapter 13, and I'm reading in the English Standard Version. To the choir master, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. It's amazing how quickly the psalmist turns from despair to praise. Some of you like fast cars. I'm not a car guy. I'm sorry to disappoint if that's your thing. But I know sometimes people ask, how quickly can your car go from zero to 60? Right? It can go zero to 60 in how many seconds? Right? This is a question. Zero to 60. We went from nothing to like all out in like three or four seconds. Is that possible? Yes. Okay. Car guys are shaking their heads. All right. There are so many people like David who have wondered how long, how long, how long. The psalmist goes from how long to how great thou art in just six short verses. Notice that the anxious question, how long, is asked four times in the first two verses, four times in a row. It's what Charles Spurgeon called a howl, a howl, like a dog, howl. 
If you think about it, it sort of sounds like it, right? How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? Just crying out from the depths of despair and the anxiety in our inner being. Pressures from within and without creates this roar. How long, O Lord? Don't pretend you haven't been there. Don't pretend you haven't been there. Because if you haven't been there, you will be. As a believer, you will be here. Aren't you encouraged by the fact that this psalm was written by David? Aren't you encouraged by the fact that there are real questions being asked here? Not pretend fake Christianity, real questions. The questions that some of us get nervous to ask if we're honest. Can, can we ask? Because I feel like God has turned away from me. I feel like God has forgotten me. He's, he's kind of left me alone. His, his presence, his glory, I don't feel it anymore. And we fear, I think, uh, the fear of men. Like, what would other Christians think if they heard that I felt this way? And yet, we have this psalm in the Psalter for us to know it's okay to ask these questions. My youth pastor growing up was Mark Hall. He is now the lead singer of Casting Crowns. But before that, he was uh, my youth pastor at First Baptist Church, Daytona Beach. And he would often say to young people, God can handle your emotions. Going away to youth camp, I was reminded how passionate youth are, how energetic, how much emotion they have, sometimes wearing it on their sleeves, if we're honest. God can handle your emotions, young person. It's not as though God doesn't know you. He created you. He sees and knows everything. He knows how you feel. You're not going to surprise God to tell him how you are feeling. Tired mother, you're not going to surprise God to say, I'm exhausted. I don't feel you, God. I need your presence. Busy father, you're not going to surprise God with your emotions. It's okay to express how you feel to God. The question is, will your faith allow you to go from how long, O Lord, to how great thou art? There's no real specific setting that we know of to which this psalm specifically is, is wedded, so to speak. We don't know exactly the circumstance in which David found himself, and I think that's a blessing for us. It, it makes the psalm more useful to all the saints through all the ages because we have all been here where we've been asking this question. So let's grab hold of this psalm today. How many of you have memorized Psalm 23? Psalm 23, six short verses. This psalm is just six verses long. Maybe some of you should memorize this verse. Grab hold of this psalm and use it in prayer to God. The text itself divides very neatly into uh, two verse segments. In fact, in my ESV Bible, uh, verse one and two are kind of grouped. There's a little space three and four, a little space, and five and six. So we have this kind of neat separation of poetry where the two verses and couplets come. 
And so there have been some very neat outlines through the ages about the psalm. Charles Spurgeon outlined it with the question of anxiety, verses 1 and 2, the cry of prayer, verses 3 and 4, and the song of faith, verses 5 and 6. That will serve as our outline today if you are one that likes to fill in your blanks as soon as you possibly can. Others have said it's about the expression of despair. That expression is, how long? And then there's the expression of prayer. And the expression there is, give me light. And then there's the expression of hope and trust, which is, let me sing. And then Michael Wilcock put it in three words. You could write these in the margin of your Bible or in your notes. Three words to summarize Psalm 13. Pain, prayer, praise. Pain, prayer, and praise. All of these outlines are helpful in dividing the psalm. They also demonstrate the overall arch of how the psalmist moves from how long, O Lord, to singing how great thou art, so to speak. So briefly today, I want to consider these three couplets and along the way ask the Holy Spirit to teach us how we can move in our hearts from these expressions of despair and anxiety to expressions of faith, hope, and trust through prayer. So why don't we begin by going to the Lord in prayer and asking for his help today. Father, we have been in a spirit of prayer throughout the morning in our singing, worshipful thoughts, Lord, a time of prayer led by our brother Jim, a a song of prayer, And Lord, that is our heart's echo even now. We are asking you to speak to us. Lord, would you reveal to us how we can move out of our heads, out of our own counsel, out of our own anxiety and anxious questions to a place of confident hope and prayer and trust in who you are and in your steadfast love. Lord, would you do that today? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Will you consider first of all with me the question of anxiety. The the question of anxiety that we see, it's already been mentioned. David repeats this question four times, which only heightens the tension. He is really in despair. And the question itself reminds us, doesn't it, that sometimes time doesn't always seem to go by evenly, does it? Time sometimes feels like it's flying by, and other times it feels like it will never ever end. How long? Michael Wilcock writes, we find acknowledged here in scripture what we all know and experience that the steady march of real time never corresponds to the rate at which perceived time moves, whether dawdling or cantering, disappearing in a flash or standing still. It's a reminder to us that the greatest trials are not the ones that we face that are sharp and painful and then go away. It's not the kind of trial even that you know has an expiration date. Like, I know I'm going to graduate at the end of this, so Lord, please just help me get to that day when I walk and it's over. Or um, when you're looking forward to a job change, or when you're walking through something, and when you know the time is going to end, you can kind of set yourself up mentally for enduring to a certain point. No, this psalm, I think captures the essence of what it's like to be in a problem and a trial where there is no end in sight. 
chronic illness. You're in a relationship maybe that there is seemingly no hope of recourse for it. Or you're in a job situation with no evident way out. On and on, your mind can imagine that this trial that you're in will never end. Those trials make us begin to question, does God care about me? Does God really care about me? Because it feels like God has forgotten me. I'm over here enduring and enduring and enduring, and it just seems like there's no end in sight. How long, Lord? An old French proverb about sickness can be applied to the various troubles we face. It seems often trouble comes to us on horseback and leaves on foot. It comes to us on horseback and it leaves on foot. It's on us quickly and then we don't know when it will end, how long. The temptation in those moments of despair where there is no seeming end in sight is to go into verse 2 mode. It's to go into verse 2 where in the first part, David says, How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? The psalmist asks how long he has to run through these questions in his mind over and over and over again, taking counsel in his own soul. The CSB translates this well. It says, How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? I'm not looking for a show of hands here, but how many of you can identify with David right there? Like you're stuck in your head, probing the endless scenarios and the various ways that this trial could turn out and go wrong. Listen, some of you could make a living being a risk assessment manager for large corporations, right? You not only know that this thing could go poorly, you've mapped out in your mind the 3,487 different ways that it could go wrong, right? Amen or oh me. (laughs) It's essentially self-torture. You live in the torment of your own thoughts and the counsel you are taking from yourself is not the good kind. Can we we just acknowledge that there is a good kind of self-talk and a bad kind of self-talk? This is the bad kind. Take counsel in your heart, anxiously concerned, stuck in this feedback loop. It's not the good kind found in Psalm 42, 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. That's a good kind. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves. We need to tell ourselves that there is a hope in God, that we need to put our hope in God, and that we will yet praise him. There is hope. Let's not get stuck in our own minds and stuck in our own thoughts and counsel. It can be exhausting. But that's only the third how. David has a fourth how long. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? David is assailed not only from within, but from without. And while we may not have a physical enemy like Saul chasing us down with a spear, I guess that would be way number 3,488 that it could go wrong, right? 
we do have the enemy of our souls who would wish to devour and destroy our faith. We do have a spiritual enemy. Brothers and sisters, this picture is difficult and sadly is all too familiar. So what is the answer? What is the key? Where David can go from the question of anxiety to the song of faith, I'm glad you asked. It is the cry of prayer. The cry of prayer. Verse 3 has a threefold plea to God. Consider me. Answer me. Light up my eyes. David says, Consider me, Lord. It's as though you have been silent. Turn toward me. Hear me. Look upon my distress. Then he asked God to answer him. It felt like God had been silent in regard to his pain and heartache, and he begs God to respond with an answer. Listen, David knows God cannot forget anything. It's just how he feels. So he says, consider me, answer me. And then he prays thirdly, Lord, light up my eyes. The CSB says, restore brightness to my eyes. The prayer of every youth and counselor from youth camp. Restore the brightness to my eyes, God. (laughs) As is so often the case when we are tired, weak, and weary from anxiety, we show it in our eyes. And David asks for rejuvenation and restoration in his inner being. One commentator says, there are five scenarios you might find yourself in where you could pray Psalm 13.3. Five scenarios. If you want to write them down, here they are. First, every sinner in darkness. Every sinner in darkness can pray Psalm 13.3. Lord, light up my eyes. Secondly, every seeker of salvation can pray Psalm 13.3. Lord, Let the light of your face shine on me. Illuminate my heart. Give light to my eyes. Third, every student in Christ's school. If you wish to learn more from Scripture, pray Psalm 13.3. Give light to my eyes. Holy Spirit, would you illuminate the Word of God? Would you give light to my eyes as I study your Word? Fourth, every tried believer. If you're going through a trial, when you're facing it and you're tired and weary, ask God to give light to your eyes, to restore the joy of your salvation. And fifthly, every dying saint can pray this prayer in Psalm 13.3. When you face death, pray this prayer. Lord, give light to my eyes by the power of the resurrection in Christ Jesus. Would you open my eyes again to see the wonder of your glory in eternity? Lord, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. So David cries to God in prayer and petitions that God would not let his enemy rejoice over his distress. See, David doesn't want his enemy to get glory or gloat over David's downfall. He wants God to prove faithful and steadfast once again for his glory and his renown. And just like that, in two verses, David turns away from the despairing counsel that is taking place in his own anxious thoughts, and he casts all his anxieties 
on the Lord. Brothers and sisters, this is the command of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. You say, but I need to worry about this thing. No, do not be anxious about anything. You say, but, but I'm their parents. I have to work. Do not be anxious about anything. You say, but my finances, I just don't know. Do not be anxious about anything. But I'm really concerned about American instruction. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the God of peace. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't get stuck in the feedback loop of the counsel in your own soul. You'll never get to verses 5 and 6 if you don't cry out to God like David did in verses 3 and 4. This is, of course, where prayer turns to praise. And we get to see, thirdly and finally, the song of faith. The song of faith. John Calvin reminds us that David had not yet obtained what he earnestly desired. He hadn't received the answer yet. He was still in the middle of the trial, but being fully convinced that God was already at hand to grant him deliverance, David pledges himself to give thanks to God in advance for it. And surely it becomes us to engage in prayer in that kind of frame of mind. Though we are still under trials, at the same time, be ready to sing the praises of God, a thing which is impossible, he says, unless we are fully persuaded that our prayers will not be ineffectual. Listen, this is why it's called the song of faith. If you do not believe God will answer, you'll never get to the singing point. We have to pray and believe that God will answer our prayers. A modern worship song by Mark Hall says it like this, I will praise you in storm. That's what this is. Psalm 13, right there. That's what this is. I will praise you in this storm. So if the psalmist is still undergoing trial, what is the basis of the song of faith? The, The prayer leads him there where he casts his anxieties and he asks God to answer, but what is the bedrock foundation of his praise to God? It's in verse 5. Look at verse 5. He says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. The word order in Hebrew here in verse 5 puts the loyal love of God up towards the front. More woodenly, let me offer another translation. It would be like this. But as for me, in your loyal love, I have trusted. It puts the love of God up high. It says, as for me, in your covenant steadfast love, I have trusted. It is the Lord's faithful covenant love, this chesed for his people, 
on which David finds a sure foundation. Listen, this covenant steadfast love is the same love about which Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 when he asks the question, who shall separate us from what? The love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword All of which you could find yourself saying, how long, Lord, how long am I going to be in tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or sword? Paul goes on to say, no, we are more than conquerors, even in these trials, because nothing can separate us from the love, the covenant, steadfast, loyal love of God. The argument, see, goes like this. If God did not spare the most precious gift he could ever give for humanity, how will he not also give them everything else? It goes like this in Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, that's a greater thing, how will he not also with him graciously, graciously give us all things? The Lord has dealt bountifully with me. Why? Because we know of his steadfast love in giving his son Jesus to die for sinners like you and me. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it's on the bedrock foundation of God's love for us in Christ that we can say, how will he not also with him graciously give me everything? We will inherit the earth. Christian, we have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. We have a hope for the resurrection of our bodies. We can pray and believe in confidence because God did not spare Jesus for you and for me. He is the bedrock foundation of praise even in the midst of tribulation and trial. So let us rejoice like David in God's salvation and his deliverance accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if you belong to him, Paul says nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Jesus said no one can snatch you out of my Father's hands. In Christ alone, our hope, our bedrock hope is found This is the sure and steady anchor for our souls. Listen, the ability to sing is not based on the current circumstances you find yourself in. Because if it was, brothers and sisters, we would be found woefully unable to sing because of the various trials we all face. If it were not for the bedrock assurance of Christ's steadfast love, of God's love for his people demonstrated in the deliverance and salvation of Jesus, We couldn't sing. But we know the death and resurrection of Jesus to be true. We have believed it. We have placed our faith and trust in him. So, let's sing. Let's sing. Listen, the world doesn't have enough singing in it. Fathers, you may not believe you've got a great voice. Sing so your kids hear you. Mothers, teach your kids to sing. Join the choir. Let Camilla teach you to sing. Just learn how to sing. Sing. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Christians are a singing people. Paul and Silas 
saying, in prison. Some of us, before our lives are over, might be there. Let's sing when we go. Store up a treasure house of songs in your heart to sing unto the Lord. The apostle commands us to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. Listen, when we sing, there is an element of vertical worship to God, but there is an element of horizontal teaching and admonishing that is taking place. That is why I hear, although we like good music and we can even let it be loud sometimes, we want to hear you sing. I want to hear you sing to my heart because I'm going through trials too, you know. I want you to hear me sing to your heart when you're going through trouble and tribulation. We sing, we admonish, we teach one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God for what he has done. Thankfulness overflowing because of his salvation. So today, as the invitation, as our response today, we are going to pray and sing. I'm just going to assume that verse 1 and 2, you've got some pain, some pain in your heart. I'm going to assume the reality of that. But what I'm going to exhort you to do is to take a few moments. I'd like Camilla to come and just play softly before we stand to sing. And listen, do business with God. Pray. Maybe you need to find a brother or sister in the room and have them pray for you because you are so discouraged. You're in so much pain. If that's you, please just seek somebody out. They won't know. Just go and find somebody to pray over you. But maybe you need to turn and kneel or sit where you are or come to this altar and pray and do business with God. And let's not leave in verse 2 mode. Let's not leave with the anxiety and the trouble on our hearts. Let's cast that anxiety on the Lord because he cares for us. And let's ask God to consider, to answer, and to give light to our weary eyes today. And listen, don't stand to sing until by faith you believe that God has heard And you will trust his steadfast love. Not that the pain will go away. Not that the trial will stop. Not that you're going to go home and everything's going to be miraculously fixed, which it could be. But even if it isn't, will you praise God in the storm? Will you take the steadfast love of God and the truth of God's love for you in Jesus and sing anyway? That's the singing I want to hear when you stand. When when you feel led to stand and sing, But for now, let's just give a few moments for us all across the room. Why don't we stand up, give people room to move around, find a place. Let's stand right now and pray wherever you are. If you want to come to the altar, you can come to the altar. If you want to turn and kneel where you are, if you need to get up and move around the room to find somebody, pray even now.